Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. This is your host, Brandon Hyman. Hope everybody had an outstanding Thursday. Uh, Coming to you about 8.30 at night on Thursday, March the 2nd for episode 10.2. We had to retract episode uh, uh, 10.1 earlier because... I got a little carried away. I may have said a couple words I shouldn't have said, uh, and it got flagged as the not clean version. So we will uh, give this another shot. You know, I I don't know what I said that was so bad, but looking back, um, probably was slightly too critical uh, of a a couple couple things. So we're going to try again and make sure that the right message gets across. So. Hey, every once in a while we're wrong about something, say something we shouldn't say. Uh, that's what I did earlier, so we'll give it another shot and uh, try to stay on topic and stay on the really the ultimate, you know, the issues that we're, that's facing youth sports currently and all that. And uh, then we'll dive into the base two uh, model that we use over at South Lawrence to generate momentum uh, offensively. So. It was a big night for the Bruins last night. We improved to 3-0 after a 12-2 victory over Hannah Pamplico. Coach Trey Woodbury's team over there, real tough, uh, real gritty team. Um, they get after it. Had a center fielder over there who can uh, really play. I think it's Jamarcus. I'm not sure what Jamarcus's last name is, but was real impressed with him out of the three-hole, the way he swung the bat, the way he got around the bases, the way he played outfield. Uh, and they had some had some good players on that team. They were well coached too. So uh, I think Coach Woodbury's team is going to have them a good year. Um, we're going to be back in action tomorrow, 4 p.m. Uh, the varsity team will be at East Clarendon facing Williamsburg Academy uh, in day four of the preseason tournament that we play in every year. It's a memorial tournament. I can't remember the fellow's name. Um, but I believe he was the East Clarendon player, and they, they do this tournament as a memorial and I think a fundraiser for, for his fund every year. So it's a good tournament. There's always good food on the last day. Uh, that's always a good thing. So get a little piece of that. Um, we'll be playing Williamsburg Academy. Then I'll rush back to town for a 7.30 JV game. So it'll be a day full of baseball, and we'll be right back at it again Saturday with a JV game uh, as well. So weekend full of baseball. I don't know what everybody else's plans are this weekend, but – those are mine. Uh, try to take the wife out for a little date on Saturday night as well. But, um, anyways, we got the Fighting Boyds tomorrow. We're we'll playing Williamsburg. Uh, they're coached by a fellow named Tyler Boyd. Really great coach. Um, had the pleasure of playing a little bit of uh, baseball with Tyler uh, at for Florence Post One back in 2008. Comes from a strong line of coaches. Just recently took over as the AD at Williamsburg Academy on top of uh, being the baseball coach. He's really done a Really a phenomenal job over there. You can one thing you can always guarantee when you play his teams is they're gonna play hard. Uh they're gonna be well coached and be ready to go. So I know they put up a fight against West Florence earlier this week. Uh loss of close one in extras four to three. So we'll be ready to go. Uh we're looking forward to it. It's always good to get back as we get older and, and have an opportunity to play against uh guy you know, coach against guys that we actually played with. I know um I think my overall coaching record against Boyd was like 0 and 3 going into the summer and our our junior legion team was able to uh squeak out a a victory against them in uh the preseason tournament of the junior legion season last year so that was fun. Finally got a finally got a W against them. So hopefully we'll add one more to the column tomorrow and uh 
go from there. But it should be a good day. Really looking forward forward to it. So the topic of this podcast is um, base two, how we create momentum offensively. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about that here moving forward in the next couple minutes. But I, w- I want to touch on something I was kind of harping on earlier today. Maybe my delivery on it was slightly off. I, looking back, at maybe it seemed like I was a little aggravated, a little mad. And I think the big thing for me is I, I do get mad a little bit about – some of the things that I see happening when kids, like over the last few years, when they get to the high school level, the ninth grade level, and um, you know, I, I coached uh, middle school baseball as the head coach over at Southside back in must have been five years, nah, maybe not even five years ago. That's let's see, that would have been yeah, that probably would have been five years ago, and I did that for a couple years, and. Uh, it was amazing to me then, kind of the, and I've talked about this in the past, kind of the trend we were starting to see with how kids show up in seventh grade. Um, you know, over time, and I kind of have an idea of what it is, not, haven't really put my finger on it completely, but I feel like somewhere along the way, we as a society shifted off of the things that were really important in youth sports. Uh, at the rec level, travel ball level, uh, and all that stuff. We we moved away from really the development and the having fun part. Uh, and it really has turned into this like rat race of who can create the most team, who can create a team of, you know, people who didn't make another team. And then, you know, they're coached. Maybe they're not coached well. Maybe they are. It, the quality of the kid – from a ready-to-play-high-school baseball standpoint, has gone down a lot over the last decade. Um, and I don't know who to blame. I really don't. Um, what I can tell you is when I when I was in the seventh grade, I made the JV team that year. Everybody that was on my travel team at that time, we all made our JV teams that year. A couple of them made varsity uh, at the different schools they went to. And I just remember I owed a lot of that to Jason Gross at the time. Uh, Jason's – he's doing – he's like the director of U-Triple-S-A baseball and, and – the state of South Carolina now, Game Day USA, I think is his, or USSA is his company. But uh, we really, all of us really owed, what we owed to him was he had us prepared for what life was going to look like in high school. Uh, the way he coached us, the way we prepared, the way we practiced, everything we did was geared towards at some point, you know, and he made us earn it back then when we played for him. You know, at some point, like, there's only going to be nine spots on the field, and they're going to put the best nine out there. And if you're not one of the best nine, tough. Doesn't matter who your parents are, you know, how much money they donate, who they're friends with on the school board or, or whatever. Like, it, it just doesn't matter. Like, the best nine are going to play because there's jobs on the line and, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I think the big sacrifice there and the big – thing that we're not seeing today is back then I think parents were still willing to say and I know my dad he did this he said son I've I've gotten you as far as I can get you in this game so it's time for me to find somebody who can help you get to the next level and um that you know looking in your mirror saying hey I, I it's time for me to let go from a coaching standpoint and let somebody else coach my kid that's a big thing um yeah, that's a pride thing. You swallow your pride and say, I've, I've got you as far as I can get you. Who can take you further? And I think back then there was more of a willingness to do that, whereas now I see a lot of – and there's nothing wrong with having parents coach 
travel teams or rec teams or whatever. I, I think there's, that's fine. I think that maybe the thing that's lacking is if a parent decides they are going to do that, they have to study the game. You know, they've got to take the time to educate themselves on the things that are important. Um, they've got to have a willingness to teach ta- uh, teach team baseball. Um, they've got to get off of the individual statistics things and start teaching the things that really are going to help their kids contribute at the high school level and beyond. I think not not everybody, um, but there's certainly a lot of teams out there, especially at the youngest levels, that I think you've got parents coaching the team for the wrong reasons instead of – I think sometimes you've got parents coaching teams because they want to make sure their kid has somewhere to play versus finding a team that has – good values and principles and, and stuff like that. I'll use a coaches. There's a couple coaches as an example that I really like. So there's a guy named Chris Ford. I think he's, um, I can't remember the name of his organization. And Chris, he's an assistant coach at Lakeview. Um, top notch guy. I think Chris was actually an umpire for a while and was like trending towards potentially being big time. Uh, I know he's a great umpire, but he's coaching, he's coaching, uh, he coaches showcase or travel ball, whatever. We've had a couple kids that play for him. Phenomenal coach. But they do it the right way, right? They don't put such an emphasis on a lot of things that don't really matter at the next level, and they make sure they put an emphasis on, you know, hard work, grit, uh, earning your spot, earning your playing time, development. You know, they don't just – I don't think they just show and go on the weekends. Like, there's actually, like, they go to the bomb house, they practice, they do they do all that stuff. Um and a lot of that's lacking. I see a lot of people on Facebook and, and some of these other platforms, and they're just posting all these videos of their, you know, their bronze bracket victory and their silver bracket victory. And, you know, it's, you know, that's cool. Uh, that's that's great. But, we, I think at some point we got to remember why, why you even do stuff like that. And it's ultimately you got to get you're, – you're trying to get your kid and your kids prepared for the next step. And – think sometimes when we focus so heavily on wins losses uh at that level uh, we definitely want to be competitive but it's like wins losses a lot of me brand of baseball not enough we um you got a lot of people not handling arm care the right way you know I, I think back when we were doing travel ball it was you know you could throw 10 innings on the weekend and I remember a kid throwing 127 pitches on a Sunday after they threw, you know, three innings on on Saturday. And I think that's going on around the country just because the education piece, right? Um, you don't have people running organizations and coaching teams that know all that's out there and all that's going on. They just, you know, they're coaching to a rule. Hey, my kid can throw – these kids can throw ten innings a weekend, so – why you know let's throw them let's throw our ace three innings on Saturday that makes him eligible to throw seven innings on Sunday um and I don't fault them for that well I do fault them for that because they don't take the time to educate themselves on what are the long-term repercussions of that right you know what's going to happen to these kids five six seven years from now if that's what we're doing at nine ten years old um but anyways I you know my point there Somebody like Chris Ford, I like what he does. Um, if you're looking for a good organization to be a part of, the way he does things, he's a good one to be a part of. 
if you're a young kid in the Florence area and I don't know I, I don't know if any of these teams have openings or not. I'm just telling you people that I look at and I'm like, hey, I know when those if those kids are end up being South Florence guys and they stick with this person for two, three, four years, by the time they get to us, they're gonna be in a really good spot. You know, John Chase, he's another one. Uh his son I think is maybe nine or ten years old. Uh their organization is that force team, uh Carolina Carolina Force, I think. I I don't remember. But you know, they do things right. And and I know that because, you know, John's reached out. You know, he's a South Florence alumni. Um, he's a tremendous supporter of our program. You know, we can count on John for a lot of stuff. He He's truly servant mindset, right? He gives back um, to his community. Um, but he's reached out to us a bunch of times. Hey, guys, um, you know, would you mind coming out to the dugout and talking to our players, you know, giving them a clinic on hitting, give them a clinic on pitching, you know, stuff like that. And, when you see coaches taking the initiative to do that, you just know that the future of this game in this area is in good hands. And I think earlier today when I originally released version 10.1 of this, I was a little fired up and kind of – I think my delivery was off on the things I was trying to say. I could have said what I'm saying now in a little bit different tone and maybe it would have sunk in a little bit different and maybe wouldn't have gotten flagged as <laughs> this isn't a clean version. Um, <clears throat> so that's on me, you know, but – there are good or, good organizations out there. I know there's, you know, it's outside. There's a group of sixth graders over there. They play for a Pulse team. I, there's some kid I follow his parents on Facebook now. I uh, think his dad's name's Spence or something like that. I can't remember. But uh, I see stuff on Facebook all the time. And what I can tell about those kids is, like, they're being coached the right way because you see videos of them. They're they're doing the little things right. They're hustling on and off the field. They're picking each other up. Do they probably have some bad moments where they get sideways? Yeah, they do. I'm sure they do. But um, that Pulse organization, I know they've got a group of sixth graders right now that you know I'm real excited about seeing those kids play next year at Southside because you know people who I trust in the baseball community they've said hey man that that group uh that group right there's really good i've got one of my old coaches uh Jamie Sullivan he's over uh lives over in Turbeville he's a phenomenal guy he uh coached me on the uh can't even remember what our team name was i think it was like the PD Blue Dogs or something like that it was a showcase team but they did it the right way right um i think his sons play on that Pulse team and and they're really good they're really good so you know, I know when you've got people like Jamie, Coach Jamie involved, you know, they're going to be coached really well. Um, and they play the game the right way. They probably play it hard. They practice. Uh, not abusing people's arms. They're just getting them prepared for the next level. And that's – as youth coaches at the rec level, travel level, whatever, that's got to be the focus. Like, if if kids are just playing rec ball to have fun and all that, that's, that's cool. But – I think the large majority of them fall in love with the game and as they progress through from coach pitch to minors, majors, ozone, like there's a dream of that kid to wear a South Florence jersey one day or a West Florence jersey or a Wilson jersey or, um, you know, a Trinity jersey, Florence Christian jersey, whatever. I mean, there's a dream there. I know when I was a kid, I, I had a dream to wear a South Florence Bruin jersey. I used to look up to those guys. Uh, I wanted to do it. I wanted to be just like them. Right, and I, I think those kids, as they progress through rec and travel, they want the same thing. So, if they want those things as adults, what are we doing to make sure we put them in the best position 
to accomplish those things. And if we're out there teaching old methods, things that haven't been used a long time because we're not taking the initiative to spend 30 minutes late at night, two nights a week to to read something or watch a YouTube video or you know listen to a podcast or read articles and stuff like that, then we're selling them short because we have got to work harder at helping these kids be more prepared to come in and and be ready to go as seventh and eighth graders and and fre- so they can be ready to go as freshmen and a lot of it's not mechanical stuff it, and, and I mean some of it is but it's baseball IQ it's understanding things like you know cuts and um, the the big thing is just understand things like qu- the value of a quality at bat over your or over just focusing on batting average or understanding situations understanding what success looks like at the plate uh, at certain at certain you know, critical points in the game. And that's one of the reasons why we're going to talk about base two today, because for me, you know, base two was one of the first things that um, I spent a lot of time learning about. Because for me, as a young coach at the time, it's like, hey, this is something I can build my offensive philosophy on. And and I love it. It simplifies the game for the players. Um, our guys are in a much better spot today because we're utilizing this method at South Florence. But imagine if, like, as a player, you know, imagine if these players had been utilizing, maybe not utilizing base two, because it was, you know, seven and eight year, eight, uh, seven and eight year olds don't need to be utilizing that stuff. But when you start getting up to the the eleven u, twelve u, you know, thirteen u travel ball uh, thing, um, travel ball age group, that's that's a good time to start focusing on. I mean, really, really focusing on the the aspects of the game that are going to help your people be better team players, uh, have a concept of like the things that we have to do uh, to make sure that we're putting our team in the best position to win, not necessarily ourselves in the best position from a individual accolades and, and all that stuff. So um, I'm going to link in, in the article based to how we create momentum offensively. Um, I'm linking the one pitch warrior book in there. You can click it. Uh, I think it'll take you to Amazon. You can check out. For me as a coach, uh, this has been the foundation that I've built my coaching philosophy on offensively. And I've used pieces of it to build on what I believe is important defensively and as a pit, as a as pitchers. So do with that as you may. Um, but it's a book I reference daily. Not daily, but during baseball season, I always reference it. Uh, I always reference the baseball playbook by Ron Polk. I always reference uh, the complete base stealing manual by Matt Tallarico. Um, those are three things that I always check myself on during baseball season to make sure, okay, are, are we are we moving towards mental toughness? Are we teaching base running the best way? You know, are, are there any drills I'm missing outfield wise? Okay, what's you know, is this still the best way to f- cover cover bunts? You know, blah blah blah. So um, I'm linking that in here. And now I'm going to jump into just kind of telling you about base two, what it is, how we use it, and some data behind it. And then um, I'll repost this podcast as a clean version, not an explicit version, because, you know, it got flagged for whatever reason. Um, So anyways, so I'll preface everything I'm about to say by saying base two, I didn't come up with it. Okay. It's um all the information that you're going to hear about was created by a coach by the name of Justin Deemer. Um, at the time he was, when he created this base two method, 
uh, it was part of a bigger, it was part of a book, One Pitch Warrior, which is a mental toughness, mental training book that he created. A um, little background on him. He was coaching high school baseball at Martinsdale St. Mary's. I think it was a small 1A or 2A school in Iowa, okay? And anybody who's coached high school baseball before, you know how hard it is to go on a winning streak and win 10 games, much less win 88 games in a row and three straight state championships. That's almost unheard of. It's the second longest win streak in the history of high school baseball, uh, and it's owned by that guy. It happened sometime in the later part of the 2000s, like 2010, 11, and 12 or something like that. But that's what initially piqued my interest uh, in this book and this process uh, after it was introduced to me by a coach by the name of Terrence Scott. And Coach Scott, he coaches with us at uh, South Lawrence. He's one of our assistant coaches. He's been a head coach before and at the high school level, played a little college ball, um, does a lot of things really great. But one of the best things he came to me, he was like, he had just moved here, and he was like, Hyman, you need a, You ever heard of this book? And I was like, nah. And I didn't return the book to him for like three years because like I would just hold on to it and occasionally revisit it. But he put me on to that. Um and it really changed kind of the way I viewed things and and gave me, you know, from a philosophical standpoint, it gave me a new foundation that everything I do now is really based off of that. Um, so, you know, if you're a coach who – one more point about youth coaches, especially at the travel ball level. You know, you have to have core principles that – you have to have core things that are important to you, okay? Like for me as – for me as a, a high school coach, you know, I kind of have my little philosophy written out, and I keep it on I keep it on my cell phone, um, and I always revisit it to make sure that I'm still coaching to those things. And for me, you know, you know, what, I'll just read you read you some pieces of it because it's right here on my phone. Um, you know, for me, from an individual hitting standpoint, I base a lot of what I do off of what Steve Springer teaches. Uh, I believe 100% on the things that he says about, you know, batting average being the biggest trap in baseball. You know, it's all about going to a place with a lot of confidence, giving yourself, you know, a, a, uh, giving yourself a, a manageable, uh, uh, sorry, not manageable, an obtainable goal of hitting the baseball hard somewhere and trying to help your team get in, in the best position to win the game in this at bat. Like, I believe in that, right? It starts with confidence. Okay, I don't. You can our players at South Lawrence will tell you, Coach Hyman doesn't spend a lot of time talking mechanics. You know, for one, I'm I'm not the hidden coach, uh, but you know, my my value to South Lawrence baseball hitting is the mental side. You know, approach, and then understanding timing and stuff like that. Working on pitch recognition. Th- those are the things that I focus on. Um, you know, I'm all about quality at bats. I don't think batting average is all that important. You know, people are – we have parents who, not just at South Lawrence, all over high school baseball who literally get in fights about um, game changer stats and batting average and fielding percentage on there and stuff like that. Well, it was a pass ball. Well, no, that was a that was a wild pitch, not a pass ball. No, no it wasn't. That was – you know, it's a little crazy. Like, this is going to disappoint a lot of people who like to brag about their child's game changer stats. I. I can't I can't tell you like when the last time I looked at somebody's fielding percentage or you know I'll reference things like batting average if I need some confirmation on something but 
those things don't really tell the full story for me. You know, I, I go off the eyeball test. We, we chart a lot of stuff at South Lawrence. We've got about eight charts going at one time during our varsity games between four hitter, four hitter chart, quality at bat chart, you know, uh, base running charts. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff going on. So those are things we really focus on. We got key moment chart. Um, Coach Rhodes Dickerson created that. That's one of my favorite charts we have. Um, you know, things like that are what we look at because it's like all about not every at bat's going to be the same. Like the situation's going to be different. The amount of pressure in that, that moment's going to be different. There's a lot of different things. So it's important that we look at that and not just look at, okay, well, he went nine for nine, nine for 20, you know, because, you know, hey, that's good. But what the, what did that nine for 20 look like, you know? Um, but anyway, so individual hitting, that's kind of where I go with that. I also adopted. Coach Demers, Damer's uh, philosophy on one-pitch warrior. You know, it's all about being locked in 10 seconds at a time, locking all your focus into the next pitch, the present pitch. And then when this pitch is over, it's over. There's nothing we can do about it, right? That's kind of where I'm at on that. Um, we'll talk about base two. That's part of my team hitting philosophy. Base running, I'm big on this. I'm all about creating havoc on, havoc on the base pads. You know, all about hustle, double, hustle doubles, extra 90s. And the reason we're all about that, I'm all about that, is because I think it just creates an immense amount of pressure on pitchers, a lot of pressure on the defense. Hitters are going to get more favorable pitchers when pitchers are worried about delivering to the plate quickly, a lot more fastballs. They're less worried about location because they're trying to keep the runner at bay. Um, You know, the defense can feel the pressure of a team that runs well. So that's why we put a big emphasis on that stuff. It's really important. Um, Infield play, believe that. Obviously, you got to be sound fundamentally. We want to try. We want to be. We want to make all the routine plays, and we want to be in a position to make the tough ones. Fifty-fifty balls. Do we give ourselves the best chance to make that play? Um, you know, we'll talk about the strike method on another day. But real big on getting off the field with two outs and getting uh, that first out, retiring that first batter of each inning. Outfield play. Um, we got to. Fly balls had to be caught, and our job as outfielders to limit runners to 90 feet or less, period. The only bad throw on baseball is a high throw. Those are the things that are important there. Catching, you know, I believe your catcher's got to be your captain on the field. Uh, he's got to be the he's got to be a coach on the field. Pitching, got to make sure hitters earn it, retire the first guy, get off the field with two outs. Um, first pitch strikes are imperative. You know, after three pitches, we want to be in a positive count. Um, our ball in play. And then I have a whole thing on team philosophy and stuff like that. Well, I think I've kind of already touched on that in the past. So that's kind of like the house that Brandon Hyman as a coach was built on. And I would challenge you, if you're a coach, pull out your notepad, go through every aspect of the game, hitting, individual hitting, team hitting philosophy, what's important to you, okay? Infield play, what's important to you? Outfield play, what's important to you? Catching, pitching, all that stuff. Stand, you know, your core values as a program, like all that stuff's important. And if it's important to you, then you're going to spend the time to emphasize it to your players and your players will start feeding off of whatever it is that, you know, is, is important to you. You know, what you promote or what you do, that's what, you know, that's what you promote, what you allow is what you promote. And, um, I think so many times people just get into it and it turns into a, well, we got two games on Saturday and, two or three or four games on Sunday and, you know, we haven't practiced in a week and a half or, you know, we don't – your kids are out there, they're running around aimlessly because they don't really have any direction. It's our job as coaches to give them direction and give them structure 
and let them know, like, here's why we do this. Here's why this is important or that's important or whatever. Um, if you're going to be a coach, you've got to do that. Not having enough time, not getting paid enough, that's not that's not a good enough excuse because, you know, we've got to work as a society, especially as coaches, as leaders, to build better men, young men, so they can be better teenagers, be better adults, um, be better players, most importantly, be better we guys instead of me guys. So, anyways, sorry, I got off on a tangent there. So, uh, back to base two. Um, the big thing there, you know, like I was saying, the lessons I've learned from this book, you know, we talked about it as coach, coaching staff. I, I brought it to Coach Gray, Coach Rhodes, Coach Dickerson, we, I mean, Coach Allison. We all sat down. We talked about it. Um, we – we talked about the 92% winning percentage that Coach Deemer had over his coaching career utilizing this method, and it was worth a shot. So we started emphasizing it, and our kids bought into it almost immediately. Almost, I mean, there was literally no hesitation because it was like a real simple – it's real simple. I mean, it's five tasks, okay? And if we know that if we accomplish three out of those five, we're going to win a lot more games than we lose. If we only accomplish, if we accomplish two or less, we're going to lose a lot more games than we win. Um, and the whole premise of this program is being locked in mentally, but it's all about creating momentum and stopping momentum. And by doing this, it helps us take a seven inning baseball game and break it down and focus on the most important things that help us end on the end up on the right side of the win column. Um, so I'm a detail base two now. I kind of already jumped into it, but base two, all it is is it stands for an a- it's an acronym. Okay, so every letter stands for something, and uh, each letter is an offensive task. You know, it's kind of important to understand how we score this as well. So it's not like a you get X amount of points for this or X amount of points for that. No, it's it's literally a checklist. Okay, and you can accomplish officially accomplish each item one time per game. Okay, so. Once you accomplish the item, you, you check it off. Okay, if you accomplish another one, you check it off. Um, if if you don't, you exit off, right? So, And then at the end of the game, you count it up. Okay, we, we had five goals and we accomplished two of them. Did we win or lose? Okay, we lost. Okay, um, you normally can go back to the moments in the game where you drop the ball uh, that you miss an opportunity to get momentum moving in your direction or you miss an opportunity to stop momentum and get to keep the game from sliding away from you um but anyway so i'll talk detail what each letter stands for here so the b stands for big inning and a big inning is when your team scores three runs or more um the a stands for answer back anytime you answer back or to answer back this is this would be like if you uh let's say that you're the home team and the way a team goes out in the first inning and they score a run, or let's just say they score 10 runs, okay? What we want to do is in the next at-bat, we want to score at least one run, okay? Uh, answering back is scoring in the next at-bat after you give up a run. The S stands for score first. That's self-explanatory. You want to be the first team to score. Uh, the E stands for extend the lead. So at any point in the game, if you've gotten a lead, okay, so let's say you score three in the first, you hold them, hold them, hold them, hold them. It's in the fourth, it's three nothing. Y'all come up to the plate and you score two runs, you extended the lead. So you get credit for that there. And the two, the number two, stands for score with two outs. So that could be a base hit, an error, um, error, whatever. As long as you get on the scoreboard with two outs, um, that's good. 
So I said, mentioned this earlier, the overall goal of base two is to get at least three out of five uh, tasks completed. Obviously, if you can get four out of four, um, five out of five, that's even better, right? If you get five out of five, that means at some point somebody scored and you had to answer back. So I try to tell our guys, hey, if we can you know, limit it to four out of four, I'll be happy with that too. But, um, you know, like I said, you know, we've been doing this for – this is going on two years at South. What I can tell you is, you know, we have a 100% winning percentage uh, when we accomplish at least three goals. We have a 27% winning percentage when we accomplish zero to two goals. Uh, it's that, that simple. And that's over the course of about between JV and varsity. It's, uh, let's see, probably 40 games now, 50 games now. So, again, I said earlier, the foundation of base two is built on momentum. Um both creating it and stopping it. So I'll detail that. We call we kind of moved away from this wasn't included in the book, but so we kind of pivoted off of this a little bit and we created what's called momentum builders and momentum killers. So the parts of base two that are momentum builders are the big inning, score first, and extend the lead. And we call these builders because of the fact that they help push the accelerator to the floor, right? Um, you know. A big inning in itself is a big thing. I think as a program, last year when we had a big inning, we went seventeen and zero or twenty seven and zero. What I can't remember what it was, but it was uh, it was pretty significant. You know, just a big inning by itself. If you don't accomplish anything else, you may have been like fourteen and two or something. Like that. I can't remember, but um, just a big inning by itself is a big thing. It gets you going. Um, it's very demoralizing. You know, if to have a big inning, a lot of times you're going to send a lot of guys to the plate. At least four or five. Well, at least. You know, five, six guys, sometimes seven, sometimes more. Depends on, you know, whether it's a bunch of hits, a big home run, a bunch of walks, a bunch of errors. Um, it's going to get you around your lineup. That's a big thing. Uh, you're diving into, you know, you're killing their pitching along the way and you're crushing their morale as well. So score first, that's a good one. It's always, always think it's a good thing to be the first on the board, put a little pressure on somebody early. And extending the lead's a big thing too because anytime you're able to, extend the gap between somebody it's never a bad thing because you're putting them in chase mode and you want to make them chase the entire game so um we want as many teams as we play to be on their heels and feel backed into a corner and and not just backed into a corner like they're just hanging out of there like we constantly want to them to feel like we're pressing them into the corner um that's what kind of what we're all about there. Now, from a momentum killer standpoint, um, answering back and scoring with two outs are the big things there. And answering back's big because you think about the amount of pressure that your team feels when they go out and they give up a few runs in the first inning. You know, they kind of get on the defense a little bit. And it's like, ah, oh, man, okay, feeling a little pressure. The other team's feeling good, though, because they kind of – some teams kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit because they'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, we got three-run lead here. We're good. If you can immediately answer back, though, you know, it puts you on the offensive. And now they're kind of a little, oh, man, we don't want to blow a three-run lead. You know, we, uh, we don't want to blow this lead, whatever. Um, so any momentum that that team had coming into your at-bat, you've now cut into it or eliminated it completely, depending on – and what capacity you answer back. Did you answer back and take the lead? Did you just answer back and cut the margin? Um, yeah, that's obviously important. And then my favorite one, scoring with two outs. You can look at any box score of any baseball game, and that 
runners left on base tab, uh, the runners left on base area, it's very telling. Okay. Um, scoring with two outs is very, very, very big momentum killer uh, because for the other team because of the fact that anytime you score with two outs, that team was one pitch away from getting out of that, getting out of that inning. And that's huge. Uh, we practice this every day during BP. Um, we do a five swings, score from second with two outs, right? And, you know, our goal is 60% on that in BP. So we want, you know, like obviously there's two outs. So, uh, you know, a fly ball is not going to get it done. It's got to be three hits. You know, and it helps train our guys for the pressure pack moments in the game. You lose, you lose and win a lot of baseball games. Uh, by your ability to get somebody in from second or third with two outs. Um, I'd say at least three or four times a game normally you're going to have an opportunity to do that. And uh, the teams that execute and get them in, they win a lot more than teams that don't. So, um, so that, again, uh, momentum killers and builders, that's, uh, that's what those are. Um, and, again, momentum is what this foundation is built off. You look at the title of this. How, you know, base two, how we create momentum. Yeah, that's what it's all about. So um, here's how I, the next section is article that I posted uh, online, coachhyman.substack.com, or uh, you can subscribe there. That way you don't ever miss one, or you can go to coachhyman.com, either one, um, if you want to actually see the board that we use because I've linked a picture to it, and I've also linked some data in here from last season. Um but base two is – this is how we use it within our program. It's become who we are offensively, you know, because our guys ultimately have enough games under their belt now to understand the difference between uh, getting at least three box check versus only two. You know, they know their winning percentage is 100% when they get at least three. They know it's 27% when they get two or less, right? And uh, they value that. And I think that's important because, like, we've got this board. If you look on on the article, it, you know, it shows you what it looks like. It's got a base two on it and strike method. And, um, you know, it's uh, – our guys, when they're looking at that board and it's the, it's the fifth inning and we're down three to one, you know, and they see, hey, man, we haven't gotten a big inning yet. We haven't had – we haven't gotten two, uh, two out RBI. Uh, but we scored first and we answered back, you know, they understand, like, we're one check away from this thing, this momentum swinging back in our favor and us being able to go ahead and close this game out. And that's huge because at any point in time, they believe. And they know, okay, just because we don't hit our goal, we've won enough games not hitting our goals to know, okay, just because we can only get one one goal before the end of this game, we still have a chance. So, um, I love the amount of enthusiasm our guys have. If if you decide to utilize this method, what you'll see is your guys will speak the lingo. You know, you'll hear them saying things like, "All right, guys, let's answer back." Hey, hey, how about a big inning here? I love it when we score two runs. This happened just the other night. We scored two runs the other inning, or the other night in the first. Um, so we scored first, or no, we didn't score first. We answered back, and we had a runner on second with two outs. Okay, so we answered back. We had already scored two runs that inning, so we're one run away from uh, one run away from having a big inning, and we hit like a double in the gap. Scored from second, so we had a big inning. Uh, let's see, we had a big inning. Answer back and a two out RBI, so we knocked out three goals in in like the second inning or the first inning, and um, 
just the enthusiasm those guys have around stuff like that. Um, they uh, there was something else I wanted to say about this, and I'm I can't remember. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember what it was. The one thing a lot of people probably will worry about, and this is a worry that obviously I had, um, was well, like in that situation I just gave. What happens when we get our goals too early? Do we lose our focus? You know, what do we have to play for now? Nah, it actually goes up. Like, because our guys, they're trying to see how many times they can accomplish those goals. They literally, you'll, they'll talk, man, we'll just reset the board. We'll try to get it again. Um, now, we won't reset the board because, like, I'm, like, a big believer in the power of those check marks and what it does for our brains and, and brain chemistry. Um, I know it sounds a little philosophical or, you know, whatever, but I don't even know if that was the right word for that. But, you know, I'm big believer in dopamine real big believer and like when you complete a task the feel good that you get you can get addicted to that and uh you know checking those boxes they give our players that release uh it gives them that feeling of accomplishment it gives them confidence it gives them a feel good um and that feel good that plays especially at this game where you know at this level where you know in our region you know we're gonna see guys throwing 93 on the black like consistently and uh you gotta have some feel good in there um, because it plays, and you know that's kind of brain chemistry and how what dopamine does to the body and the release you get and all that. Big believer in that. So we never erase this board till after the game, um, but we will. We do put little dots as we accomplish it more times, and that gives them another little you know release as well. But um, I can't remember if I already talked about this, but yeah, yeah, the lack of focus, so you don't have to worry about that because you know they stay locked into it, but. One of the other things I love about base two is we understand how important these goals are for us offensively. So by understanding that, it's safe to assume that, um, you know, it gives it allows us to defend against those things as well because we know we're thirty and zero since last year as a program when we accomplished three out of five, right? So it's say we can only assume that if another program was in the same boat monitoring the same things, they probably would have a similar story to tell. Um, you know, so those are the things we defended against. So we go out in the top of the first, and or we're we're playing a home game. We go out in the top of the first. Like our defense, our pitchers, they're all locked in on. Hey, we don't want them to score first, right? Not today, you know. We defend against the big inning, like really lock in and focus when things start seeming like they could snowball on us. Um, I love that, and this base two methods help helped us do this. The strike method really is geared towards uh, pitching and defense, so there's there's components of that that are probably more important than what we teach in base two. But just from an overall concept standpoint, we utilize base two defensively as well, just to make sure, you know, we know what are the momentum swingers that, that can happen to us. And let's make sure that we don't find ourselves on the wrong end of the momentum. So, um, talking about strike, you know, a couple of the, the one thing I like about the strike method, and we'll talk about this on a later podcast is, you know, it it shows us how we want to expose our opponents when we're hitting, right? So, like with strike, the uh, 
the S stands for shutdown in and the T stands for 13 pitches or less. So we want to try to force their pitcher to throw, throw more than 13 pitches. The one stands for one, two, three innings. So we're fighting desperately to make sure we don't have one, two, three innings because we know that's a momentum thing. Um, you know, the R stands for retire the first batter. So we're fighting our tail off to try to make sure we don't get out, you know, with the first hitter. We work our work ourselves on. The E stands for uh, end the inning, right? That means first time you get two outs, you want to get off the field. Get off the field with two outs. So when we get two outs, we're trying to stay on the field as long as possible when we're hitting. So um, that's kind of what that is. I, it's a great method. I'll talk about it on another podcast. But, you know, I think I said this earlier, but back to the – base two and you know the things that you really you know your guys are bought in when they start using the lingo um and you know i think it for them they just had to see some tangible results and they're like okay our coaches didn't just use some rah-rah stuff here like this is this legit stuff that they've built this offensive philosophy off of and our, our guys love it i'm telling you right now we speak the lingo they celebrate when we put them checks on the board and they talk about me hey big in in here hey let's answer back hey Hey, we didn't score first there, but let's answer back. Hey, big out two out, big two out ribby here. You know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, so how does all that translate to wins and losses? Here's a, uh, you know, if you look at the article, there's a detailed breakdown here. But the key takeaways from it as a program, uh, just last year, and if you include the three games this year, we were, uh, when we accomplished three plus goals, we were 27 and 0. We're up to 30 and 0 now as we go into the fourth game of the season. Um, we we were six and thirteen as a program last year, and we got less than or two or less of our base two goals. So the difference between one extra check mark um, is the difference between never losing with quotation marks and losing sixty eight percent of the time. I mean, you think about that as a coach. Like if I looked at you and said, "Hey, man, I got this book. If you'll just buy it and read it, then implement it, and your guys buy into it, you'll increase your winning percentage from thirty two percent to a hundred percent." Every coach in America is going to be like, uh, where, uh, when and where? When, wh- what do I need to do to get that book? Um, There's no way you wouldn't at least be interested in learning more about it. Um, I, the offer still stands. One guy reached out to me. I put that book in the mail today. I still have two one-pitch warrior books in my office. I want to send them to two coaches who want to try to utilize it and help get their team in a, a we over me uh thing and, and and help prepare them for the next level um or if you are a high school coach or even a college coach looking to looking to do it reach out to me i'll send it to you free of charge anybody else you're gonna have to use the link on the thing um but anyways i know as time goes on and the sample size gets larger we're gonna have some games where we accomplish three goals and lose it's gonna happen um i said this earlier coach deemer his winning percentage for his career was 92 percent when they hit three out of five so he even he still lost um, and then you're going to have games where you don't get any goals and you still win. Last year we played Hartsville at home. Cam Cantarella on the mound. You know, Cam Cantarella could have thrown 150 innings that, that night and we wouldn't have won the baseball game. But a lightning storm came. Um, then it rained and we had to come back the next day and finish the game. Well, obviously he couldn't pitch and our guy couldn't pitch. So, you know, we roll out there and – Thank God we weren't beating Cam Canarella that night. There was no way. So, I mean, it worked out. But them Hartsville guys, they let us wear it too because they thought that we intentionally delayed the game, which we did. And I was actually, you know, our athletic director came and was like, hey, we got to get off the field. 
Um, and I don't think that had anything to do with competitive advantage or anything like that. I think it was just like legit. The lightning was within 10 miles and then the bottom fell out. But anyway, so the next night they come back to our place and, um, you know, six inning Parker Winfield comes up. We got a runner on second, two outs. No, no, no. Runner on second, one out. He hits a two run bomb, uh, to left field. We take the lead in the bottom of the six, two to one, and we end up holding on to win the game two to one. So, you know, sometimes we had zero of our goals that night. No big inning. We didn't score first. We didn't answer back after they scored. No two-out RBIs. Uh, no big inning. So, I mean, it's – you know, that's the way it works. But <clears throat> the point is um, the overall thing is, like, by utilizing the system, your guys are going to be more locked in. And I think for me the big thing is, like, even at the younger levels, if we can simplify the game for them, that, that's really good. So – um, and I always talk about our guys drinking from the same water hose. This is one of those things where it's real easy to get your guys drinking the same, you know, same flavor Gatorade. Um, because they're all, like I said, they're all speaking the lingo. They're all locked in on all the goals, and they're trying to accomplish them together, and they celebrate it together when they do it. So, um, now my final thoughts on this: you know, simplify the game for your players, especially at the lowest levels. Um, we got to get more players bought in on the we mentality versus the the me mentality. You know. It's imperative at the lowest levels of development. We start finding ways to implement things like base two. Maybe not its entire in its entirety, entirety, but certainly implement certain parts of the system. Um, because at the end of the day, like I, and I mentioned this earlier, you know, things like the value of scoring first and putting pressure on a team, the the value of a runner on third base with less than two outs, what success looks like there. That should that should always be the easiest at bat in baseball. I can't tell you how many times I've been to a rec game or a travel game or whatever where there's a runner on third, less than two outs, kid hits a high chopper to the second baseman, gets thrown out at first, they score a run, and I see that kid's head just drop as he runs through first base because he's thinking, well, my batting average just went down. Mom and dad are over there thinking, my bat- his batting average went down. You know, the one one or two people there who really like are locked in on baseball, they're like, hey, hell yeah, man, that way to get that RBI in. You know, you do that at the high school level, yeah, we're going to be celebrating. The dugout's going to be erupting. There's going to be nobody left in the dugout. They're going to be waiting to pick you up when you get back to the dugout. You know, it's the only it's only time it's okay to roll over to the shortstop and do everything wrong fundamentally, right? <laughs> um, it's just the truth because the we is more important than the me there, right? It's more important that you put a ball in play, force them to play defense, and we scored a run as a result than it is that, you know, your batting average went down half a point. Um, and that's another thing, you know, just the value of quality at bats. I this whole bat, and I know people don't get paid millions of dollars to have a, you know, high quality at bat percentage. They get paid millions to have good batting average, hit home runs, and stuff like that. But our young kids just don't have a concept of what success actually looks like and how success changes from pitch to pitch and play to play based on the situation. Um, and I think that's definitely an area where we could help our kids be better prepared for the next level by really emphasizing like, you know, those things like Steve Springer talks about it all the time. Like baseball is the only game in America in the world where you can go over four, hit the ball, you know, hit the ball in the screws, in the screws four times, line out to the shortstop four times. Your batting average is going to say you suck. Uh, but Truthfully, you did everything right. You had four quality at-bats. You just 
couldn't control where the where the fielder was playing. But you know, you're going to carry that 0 for 4 into tomorrow, and then if you start 0 for 2, that's that becomes 0 for 6, and now those at bats are piling up on you, and you know now you're in a mess. Like, you know, that starts at the earliest levels because you put such an emphasis on batting average and stuff like that at those levels where you know batting, uh, yeah, okay, great. Nobody's ever gonna nobody's gonna remember that you batted 750 in little league, right? What they will remember is like the contributions you made to your high school program for four years and stuff like that. But you know, anyways, back to what I was saying. You know, things like base two, things like the tasks I just were talking about. You know, they simplify the game, increase the way, and they increase the ways that players can find success in a game where you fail more than you succeed. Um, these things also hold our players accountable to contributing their part of the pie to helping teams win instead of making it about individual accolades. Um, I can give you 150 reasons why how base two's helped us, but I'll just sump it up by saying it's just been an absolute game changer for our morale. Um, it's been a game changer for our focus. Uh, it's been a game changer for us, you know, just in terms of all the stuff we've been able to accomplish because of it. So uh, we got great coaches and we got great kids. Um, can't say enough about our entire baseball program, um, but – you know, I'm not saying base two helped push us over the edge or anything like that because it was something that Coach Scott brought to me and then I brought it to the coaches and then we, you know, started implementing it. It doesn't have anything to do with it. I just think for me, though, like wherever I go in this game, whether it's a assistant coach at South Lawrence for the rest of my life or, you know, uh, you know, owner of a baseball facility one day, like, you know, I'm just throwing stuff out there. Um, That's always going to be – a part of the foundation my baseball coaching house is built on. And, um, yeah, the young coaches out there, find pieces, find things that are important to start building your house on. Because that's the only way we're going to be able to grow the game. Um, the only way we're going to be able to kind of change the course of where we're headed with all this me, 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 you know, all about me, my playing time, my stats, my number, a lot of people playing for the number, the name and number on the back, not enough playing for the name on the front. And that's – as a high school coach, that's concerning to me. It really is because um, team is such a critical component to success in high school. And culture, our culture at South is very heavily driven by those relationships and, you know, guys wanting more for the guy on their left and their right and parents in the stands wanting more for the kid at the plate than they want for their kid, even if that kid's – you know, playing the position that their kid plays. I mean, it's it's just a bunch of people drinking from the same water hose, and it concerns me when, like, I hear stories about middle school kids uh, showing up and, you know, the parents can't get along, The you know, they're trashing each other because they just don't know yet how much they're going to need those other 9, 10, 15, 16 guys that are on their roster as they go through the next four years. Um they just they have no idea right now, and it's because we've individualized this game at the lowest levels. And it just concern. I mean, it's just it bothers me. It keeps me up at night. It's why I had that real, you know, fired up podcast earlier today because I just gotten some had heard a story about something that was going on at one of the middle schools, and it just, it's just disappointing. Like it's like man, these just people have no idea like what's coming, and and then who who suffers right? the program suffers because then instead of having a bunch of kids who are, you know, ready to reload that gun for us when they're ninth graders and, 
you know, be contributors, we end up sometimes having to cut middle school kids, returning middle school kids. And that's not why we kept them as 7th and 8th graders, right? We kept them as 7th and 8th graders to develop them for six years, not for them to fall behind and never, you know, not not give good effort and not buy into the principles of the program and then not be a, be able to be around for the final four years of those six years. Like, that's not – not why we do it. Um, so it's just concerning. Um, a lot of a lot of me, not enough we. But you know, as coaches, parents, the good news is we can help write that course and change that, right? But it just takes that intentional focus. I'm always talking about, like, who's going to stand up and say, "Hey, enough's enough." Like in our town, we've got some really good travel programs, right? Um, we've got. Our rec programs are good, right? But, you know, we got to come together. Like, I'll just put this out here, put this out there. If anybody listens to this and there's an aspect of the game that you're not sure about, that you don't feel comfortable talking about, or you say, hey, it'd be really nice if we could get those guys to come out and give us a coach's clinic on the things that are important, or, you know, could it'd be nice if those guys came out and dummied down five things that are really vital for you know, these rec kids are really vital for kids at this level. And then as they move to the next level, what are the next things they need to know? Like, if there's ever a question about that, just reach out because we want to help. I mean, we'll give our entire blueprint to people that are in it for the right reasons. Um, Because that's what we're all about. Because at the end, we all benefit when we do things that way. We don't benefit when, you know, we keep going down the path we're going of, you know, upset parent because their kid didn't make this team goes and starts their own team and that team's coached by four guys who also have kids who didn't make a team and then you know they're not putting the right kids in the right position to be successful they're putting their four kids where they want to put them to make sure they play and you know they're stuffing other kids just wherever we got a left-handed catcher we got a left-handed third baseman because my kid's a catcher and his kid's a shortstop and you know well, his kids are right-handed first baseman. So it just, it's just a mess, guys. Um, we got to be better. We got to fix it. And, uh, you know, one way we can do that, up our education level and start teaching our kids things like base two. Uh, teach them the value of, you know, quality at bats. Teach them the value of, you know, competing with two strikes, you know, all that stuff. So, anyways, all right, that was a long podcast. My apologies. I just got off on a tangent there. If I can help you in any way, if you want one of these books – Send me a message on Twitter. Um, send me an email, brandonmhyman at gmail.com. Uh, I think you can send me an email on Substack, whatever. Here to help. Um, I got two copies. Who wants one? Once I'm out, you're going to have to buy it. So uh, until next time, Bruins are playing tomorrow. If you don't have anything going on, JVs are at 730 at home. Uh, Varsity's at 4 o'clock at Williamsburg Acad- or sorry, at East Clarendon against Williamsburg Academy. Um, and we'll be at Lakewood next Tuesday. So until then, be cool and go Bruins. See ya. Thanks for joining.